Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Find written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Under the Helmet. Looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons. Late show this week and slipping through the wickets in terms of the schedule early on, usually on a Monday, but keeping the streak alive. I got some good data points here at the quarterback position. Wanted to go a little bit about dynasty trading, and then we'll call it a day. We're already in week 11 mode. I want to go over some quarterback information to start the show. Let's kick off with Dak Prescott, shall we? And for all the hand-wringing about there's no ceiling, there's no upside, and he was a guy that was being largely ignored comparative to his profile in startups in the offseason in dynasty circles. How about QB1 in expected fantasy points per game? And despite his rampant success, uh, he has 17 passing touchdowns. That's two off of the NFL lead at 19. That's two at Tagovailoa after week 10. Dak Prescott is actually expected to have 22.75 passing touchdowns. So he is 5.75 short in that regard. So he could be essentially boat racing the league with his expectation passing wise. Also, he's 6% completion rate over expectation. And one of the better numbers that I wanted to pull was looking at another thing, a uh, research project that over at UTH Premium, as well as over on Patreon that I'm going over. It's going to be a deep dive. Uh, once I get a chance, uh, the Devi scrubbing and the projection model, usually around Thanksgiving weekend, is my first big project. So this may be right at the end of the regular season slash uh, end of the fantasy playoffs, or it may be before that in little drips and draps. But uh, looking at something that I, I reference at this point, uh, it's comparing touchdown ratio to big time throw ratio. And what this is, is looking at, uh, again, big time throw to turnover worthy play ratio uh, over by PFF. That is a figure that is a l- more representative of how is the quarterback actually playing. And then the touchdown interception ratio is more of the puck luck of, you know, Uh, Are you getting some easy walk-ins? Are you getting defensive breakdowns? It isn't a big-time throw, but it is a touchdown on your docket. Same thing with interceptions. You can get a bad run of tips, and uh, a wide receiver that drops the ball turns into an interception. There's a lot of noise that goes into that touchdown-interception number in and of itself. But I I bring all that up as a precursor because it blends with Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott is one of the most underrated quarterbacks in terms of he has an elite big-time throw ratio this year, 3.0, which above 2.0 for a season of any meaningful sample size, very few in the PFF era have ever repeated a 2.0 season. Joe Burrow is one, and then there's a, a smattering of others. They're all elite players. Dak Prescott at 3.0 is a historically rare number uh, through nine games here in 2023. And yet, here's the crazy thing. His touchdown-interception ratio, 2.8. And just for a point of reference, 
typically that differential is about 1.1. So uh, when you have that number between, you know, so basically I, I looked at a similar big time throw uh, ratio to Dak Prescott this year. And again, it's all the hit players like Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, we have one from Kyler Murray, actually, and one from Deshaun Watson back from his Houston days. Um, two, Actually, two from Aaron Rodgers, two for Tom Brady. Uh, but here's the funny thing. So the average touchdown-interception ratio of those seasons is 5.7. Dak Prescott is at 2.8. So this could be even more explosive is what I'm saying. Dak Prescott is playing so well that he is actually one of the bigger underperformers on the touchdown interception ratio tally. So keep that in mind as we go through this season that he is actually owed extra touchdowns. He's completing more passes over expectation. And he could be someone that is even higher when we look back in another two, three, five, seven weeks time at this season in aggregate. This recent, uh, this recent streak of strong production, boat racing the position uh, over the past three weeks, that could just be the beginning of what is to come with Dak Prescott. So again, for, for all the disbelievers out there, just remember that he is a high level profile and yet he is one that is still underappreciated. Hard to find here because looking back at his, his profile so far, this is his eighth season in the NFL. He's had four top six finishes and three others in the top 12. His worst fantasy finish in adjusted points per game QB 13, and that was back six years ago. So he has been one of the most consistent in terms of a floor with a reasonable ceiling, and now we're actually seeing a full, true ceiling with Dak Prescott. Two other players I wanted to mention in terms of expectations as well as their ratios. The first one is Will Levis. Uh, everyone remembers uh, the debut game heard around the world. Four touchdowns, zero interceptions, and the precursor to what is going to be a Hall of Fame career. Well, he was actually, his expected touchdowns that game was .94, so he was overinflated by over three touchdowns in that game. And here's the interesting thing. So two more starts for him, three in total, and considered two down games, fantasy-wise especially. Well, now his fantasy, his passing touchdown expectation is 4.3. It's actually up to what he got the first game. And now his total touchdowns, which he's had two donuts since, is still at four. So now, welcome, Will Levis. You are actually on the right trajectory where you're not owed anything. You are not uh, one that is, uh, is over expectation either. He is QB 16 in expected fantasy points per game. And uh, he's one that he's actually under the expected interceptions by about one. And I always think to myself, especially, again, Will Levis coming out, he has four touchdowns, zero interceptions. And I always wonder, you know, if that was one touchdown, one interception, first of all, they would have lost the game. Second of all, uh, what would the, you know, giant uprising of, of Will Levis's moving up 5, 10, 15, 20 spots in dynasty quarterback circles. I just wonder, one touchdown over one interception, which is basically the expectation for that game without Deshaun, uh, without uh, DeAndre Hopkins going nuclear, breaking multiple tackles on 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 one of his plays was the last time that happened. So uh, I, I remember one of my comments was, what year is this? 
And so Will Levis is one that, he, oh, another data point, he is 10% under completion percentage expectation. That is the worst in the NFL as long as you take out Tommy DeVito of the guys that have seen uh, enough starts and enough volume. So outside of Tommy DeVito, which is in his own orbit, uh, Will Levis is the worst. You're just the worst. So uh, the, um, the other quarterback I wanted to bring up is C.J. Stroud. And he's another one that I wonder, the lack of interceptions, how much that's influencing. You know, winning games, yes, you know, but the optics of uh, playing clean for quite some time. And still, now, he is two interceptions. He's 15 over two. And I wonder, because guess what the expectation is? His expect- expectation is 15 touchdowns, so right on par, and eight interceptions. And I wonder if he had eight interceptions, which the expectation there, that is actually second in the entire NFL. First is Sam Howell, who has nine interceptions. And we're seeing a little bit different view prism of Sam Howell in Dynasty versus C.J. Stroud. And he actually has uh, right around his expected interception number, C.J. Stroud, six interceptions under that expected number, which is the highest. That percentile uh, below expectation is the highest in the entire NFL right there for C.J. Stroud. So I, I just wonder the optics. Now, if he had six more interceptions, what's their record like? Is that one more loss? Is that two more losses? Is that three more losses? So he's been a very fortunate quarterback so far. This is not taking away from some of the positives that he has in any regard. But I just wonder in terms of vaulting him so high, so fast in Dynasty, if he had another six interceptions, which was the expectation, and if he had another, say, two losses, what would, you know, and one of them was because he threw three picks or something like that, what would the optics of where he should be in Dynasty uh, be at that point? And one other corresponding data point on C.J. Stroud, and this is the same discussion I had with Dak Prescott in terms of the touchdown ratio and big-time throw ratio. Looking at similar big-time throw ratios dating back to 2014, for C.J. Stroud, he right now has the highest touchdown ratio of any quarterback in the entire sample size. 2016, Matt Ryan is second. He was 6.7. C.J. Stroud right now is 7.5. There's been only one other quarterback over five, and that was Patrick Mahomes in 2019. So the point is he is very fortunate in this regard. Similar uh, big-time throw percentages. The average touchdown ratio is 3.3. He's at 7.5. So again, I, I would just reiterate, do not be surprised if this turns around in terms of either Stroud needs to perform on that uh, underlying level, the ancillary uh, data level of big-time throws, turnover-worthy plays, either that needs to improve or expect highly likely over the second half of the season here, final seven, seven, eight games, that Stroud's touchdown-interception ratio is going to evolve and change for the negative. Uh, That is highly likely. And again, this is one that it's very easy to see when you start looking at patterns and when you start looking at underlying, you know, how good are you playing data points. And finally, Deshaun Watson out for the season after that mammoth second half comeback against the Ravens. 
and now out with a shoulder injury and surgery for the rest of the season. So Deshaun Watson will be more of a what if uh, for what the second half of the season would hold for him, what kind of trajectory there in Dynasty, and also uh, typically with the injured players of note, Kirk Cousins applies here, Deshaun Watson, of course, as two quarterback examples of note, that this offers a perfect opportunity in Superflex to blend a, a team an opposing team in your league that now may have a, a need at quarterback with Deshaun Watson, and you can offer that solution. I wanted to offer a few suggestions in recent dynasty trades that have been executed this week, heading into week 11, that may be opportunities in the marketplace. So Deshaun, and this is especially true, again, if you're making a dynasty trade, this is one where even taking a little bit of a hit at QB2 or QB3, wherever Watson was or whatever you're trading away, and profile upgrading to Watson is worthwhile. First deal, and this is, I think, on the high side or pretty representative, so either neutral or on the high side in that QB15 to 20 range evaluation for Deshaun Watson, which may actually sag down a little bit as we go through here in the coming weeks. But Deshaun Watson straight for Geno Smith. And this is one where you're providing Geno Smith a viable starter to the other team. And obviously this is a more palatable deal for you to do if you're a non-contender. Let's say four and six and you're at least two games out from the final playoff spot or three and seven or worse uh, is pretty much going to lock you into saying, Good luck trying to make the playoffs unless you have extenuating circumstances where it's easy to see a pathway for you over the closing weeks of the season. The other, uh, another one I wanted to uh, share for Deshaun Watson is Will Levis and Rasheed Rice for Nico Collins and Deshaun Watson. So Will Levis is hot, Deshaun Watson is injured and not. Uh, the other part of this deal, Rasheed Rice versus Nico Collins, but in Superflex, you need to focus on the quarterback position and Will Levis is rife with risk and Deshaun Watson, you can say he's risky, but the games he actually played and finished this year, he was easily in the top 15 in points per game. So uh, he is one that... You, you take that hit, you know, Will Levis, as I mentioned earlier in the show, is one that through three games is right on his expectation. That's about four touchdown passes. And he's also been one of the least accurate quarterbacks in the league versus expectation. Other quarterbacks that have been traded for Deshaun Watson, Matthew Stafford and Curtis Samuel for Deshaun Watson. And this is a good example of providing a viable quarterback solution, which I think a lot of people forget. Look and say, what problem can I solve for this other team? And that might be where you get the biggest bang for your buck. And certainly giving Matthew Stafford, who's going to be coming back this week, and then Curtis Samuel, but Deshaun Watson being out and also being a question mark. This is one where in-season trading can, can pay off big. Another one was Derek Carr and Jameis Winston packages together for Deshaun Watson. So this is a situation where whether it's Carr or whether it's Winston down the stretch, you are providing options and you are providing solutions for the other team. One final one, and this is Sam Howell, who is in the top 10. He does have some risk factor with his pedigree. Is that going to be something that if they draft a day two, a day two prospect next offseason that you will feel nice and cozy? with Sam Howell. Uh, they certainly could draft a quarterback in the first round. They certainly could be a team of interest for a free agent. 
but Sam Howell is one that's working on cleaning up some of his mistakes. I mentioned the pressure to sack ratio was a key point and marker in his profile of concern coming out of North Carolina. It's been better of late. Uh, he still needs to improve and stay on this trajectory, but the rushing combined with the bold passing, he's definitely one that if you can tolerate some of the turnover-worthy plays and he can keep the sacks within control, Sam Howell, obviously, as we've seen, has a lot of fantasy upside. But this is Sam Howell for Deshaun Watson and a second next year. So, again, just keep in mind that with Deshaun Watson, this is one where you can come from below uh, mentioned with that with Derek Carr or Matthew Stafford types. You can go relatively across or a little bit upwards with someone like Geno Smith uh, or Will Levis. And again, typically you probably don't want to come from above. And these same tenants and actually less cost apply to Kirk Cousins. And these are the perfect types of profiles in Superflex to acquire if you are a team that is just looking ahead with your profiles. When a player gets injured, I mean, Kirk Cousins was a top five fantasy option when he left this season. And so these are the types of profiles that the discount comes because they are injured. And so as long as you can tolerate with patience the absence of the player, it will likely rebound and offer you a firm reward. Congratulations to Chris N., in week 10, he took down the UTH Best Ball Contest. It's a season-long best ball team-building exercise and competition. And twice in the past three weeks, he has taken down this contest. Week 8 and now again in week 10. He is number one overall, as you would assume, in the contest for the season. Congratulations, Chris, for doing it yet again. If you do it three times in one year, that may be a record uh, in one season. And you are well on your way. You're about 40 points ahead of second place, which is Julie. We've got Tim, Michael, and now Katie and myself to round out the top six. So you got Katie and myself uh, of the notables here. And then obviously Julie, Tim, and Michael are seasoned UTH veterans on the heels of Chris. And that's powered and hosted by MyFantasyLeague.com. Thanks so much to them. And again, congratulations to everyone doing well in the contest. Just a little way, offer some prizes and able to compete against UTH super fans. So you'll have some information in the off season if you'd like to be a part of the contest next year in 2024. Finally, what's new at UTH Dynasty this week? Well, how about a 15-16 minute show on Deshaun Watson, State of the Union. I shared a few points on this show, but you get a deep dive on Deshaun Watson's profile with his season over. Of course, you get Film Notes podcasts where I break down after watching every play of every game and I distilled that down to the dynasty information you need to know. Uh, so obviously you've got Bills, Broncos, crazy game there, as well as the main show on every single Sunday and Thursday night football. About 50 minutes this week, I think it's the highest of the season, running back roundup. I go through all 32 depth charts with utilization data, trend lines, as well as clarity and upside scores. Plus you get uh, recommendations for ads, drops, 
players to watch, super sleepers, who's going to be the Tim Hightower this year, all those types of data points. Moving over to patreon.com slash UTH. Uh, we did a dynasty trading deadline special. Might be this week, might be next week, but soon in a lot of your leagues, the trading deadline is coming. It's a sad day in Mudville. Talked with Tim Torch about that for strategy points. Talked a little bit about players and macro strategy for your teams. Also, uh, we always like to share in terms of going beyond fantasy football. And Tim Torch and I talked about high school football, our history with that, our experiences, did our moms want us to play? Um, all of that good information. Also shared some Thanksgiving stories. We're going to do a Thanksgiving food draft next week. So you're not you're, you're not going to want to miss that over on the UTH Patreon channel. Also, I did a deep dive on Sam Howell uh, for the VIPs. And that's going to be in your higher tiers where you get access to the UTH VIP chat room 24-7. We talk about sit starts. We talk about dynasty trades uh, during the week and just macro talk. And all of us are, are it's sh- iron sharpening iron with some of the best dynasty owners on the planet. I can attest because I hang out with them every day <laughs> there in the, in the VIP chat room. And as well, every single Monday, you're going to get a waiver wire special show on the Patreon platform there. And I go through all the twists and turns of this week's waiver wire and some of the bidding strategy plus uh you know how to think of it, especially this time of year, uh, going through and having. Last week it was uh, it was about going through the trade targets of for contending teams and non-contending teams. This week it's the stash series at UTH Dynasty, so that's where you're going to get who should I be stashing away when uh, I invariably can use the waiver wire and I fall out of the race. That could be in the finals. That could be already. So once you have roster spots available because you're refining things, here are the avenues to turn at the various skill positions. And also late in the week at UTH Patreon, you get things like the start rate matrix coming out typically on Saturday. You also get appeal ratings at uh, d- for def- defenses as well as kickers, so all that uh, helps you final. You know the final stages there of when you're finally putting your roster together towards Sunday kickoff. Thank you so much for listening. I am Chad Parsons. Until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties.